And right now, let's give a first-class Concord Baptist welcome to the amazing Grace Race. Y'all let these kids know how excited you are. Today to cheer our runners on. 
I'm reporting live from the starting line. Coach, your runners are off to a great start. They sure are, and I'm very proud of each and every one of them. Kids, why don't you take your first official water break? Coach, tell our viewers, what is this race all about? Well, we're running the race of life. The trail is full of mountains, valleys, sharp turns, and detours. It's all part of the journey. You see, for the runner, it's about perseverance. Is there a secret to running this race? Absolutely. The secret is Jesus. We follow him in his steps, but in our shoes. Okay, team, it's time to hit the trail again, so come on. Now listen, our first big hill is coming up, so make sure you stick together, okay? And remember, in his steps. But in our shoes. You got and it. And they're off.
shoes hurt. They're pinching my toes, and I'm tired. What? Really? I'm bored, and I quit. Hey, we're only two songs into this musical, and you're quitting already? Spud, don't you know quitters never win? And winners never quit. Hey, Coach, we've got a runner down over here. This pilgrim ain't making any progress. It's the old couch potato problem. Oh, yes. I've seen this problem before. It's a serious case of lack of motivation. Spud, put your shoes back on. Followers of Jesus, follow him. They don't sit on the sidelines. Spud, don't be a slouch. Potato. Oh no, I got potato. Oh no. No, no. Let's let Spud catch his breath for a few minutes. In fact, why don't you stretch your legs? I'm glad to see that you're back in the race, Spud. Well, I don't know. I'm not very fast. Fast is not the point. This is the amazing grace race. The Bible says God's grace is enough for you and his power is made perfect in weakness. For our viewers, can you define grace? I love. And I'm forgiven. Grace is God's unmerited favor. And God's miraculous power is in me. 
Whoa, that's really amazing. Hey guys, look ahead. Do you see our next challenge? The sign says, watch your step. You're headed into... The Valley of Despair. Did you hear that? I'm not going all the way down to there. Not in these shoes. It's too deep. No way. It's all part of the journey, Spud. Now, I know that we can do this if we work together as a team. And there's no I in team. It's all about helping one another run the best race that we can, even in the valleys. How can I help someone get through the valley? It's called L-O-B-E, love. Exactly. We run to show God's amazing grace to one another and his awesome love. Now come on, Spud. Come on, everybody. On your mark, get set, go!
gentlemen, all runners are approaching muddy waters, also known as Badlands Bog. As the sign says, runners beware! Badlands Bog? What was that? French horns, I think. <laughs> I thought we'd turn around and go back. Who's with me? Nonsense, Spud. You can't stop every time life gets a little rough. Now roll up your pants legs. We're going in. Ew, this is so gross. My new shoes are getting dirty. Ah! Riley, help me! Give me your hand! Ah, you pulled me in on purpose. I did not. Did too. What's going on? She pulled me in the mud. Not true, I did not. I'm sure that it was just an accident, girls. Sometimes these things happen. Now shake hands and let's get going. No. No way. Well, you're both stuck in the muck until you do. Okay, girls, on the count of three, say, I'm sorry. One, two, three. Awkward pause.
I'm so sorry. Me too. Can you ever forgive me? Forgiveness has occurred. We can't keep going. Ladies and gentlemen, there is talk that this race will be canceled any minute. Coach, does this officially mean the amazing Grace race is over? No, ma'am. This rain is just a small setback. And true heroes never let setbacks stop them. No, by faith, heroes keep going. I want to be a hero. Well, then let's all keep going. Onward and upward! Lord, help me be bold like those heroes of old. More than 
Ladies and gentlemen, all runners have had a strenuous run so far. So I believe they'll be taking a short stop at the Renew Station to catch their breath and to dry off a bit. Coach, where's Bud? He is not with us. Well, I think he's just a little slow in this wet weather, but I have faith in him. Well, the team needs him. We have to stick together. He'd better get here soon. As you can see, the rain has finally lifted and the sun has started to peek through the clouds. Once again, it's turning out to be a beautiful day. And oh look, a magnificent rainbow has appeared right in front of us. Wow, everyone look at that awesome rainbow. I love rainbows. Do you think this rainbow is a sign from God? You know, to encourage us. Yes, I do, Bella. God gives us signs each and every day to show us his awesome love. We need to ask him to open the eyes of our hearts so that we can see them. But it does make me wonder. Wonder about what? Well, it makes me wonder about the runners who are coming along behind us. What signs are we leaving for them? That's a great question. Especially if you're trying to follow Jesus in your shoes. Well, back at Valen's box, I hope Annie and I left a sign that said be quick to forgive. It's a much better way. Yes, you girls could definitely say that. I, when we left the Valley of Despair, I think Claire left a sign that said it's all about L-O-V-E, love. That's something that can really help you get to those tough valleys in life. Exactly. We've made some significant progress out here today and I do believe that you all are leaving some encouraging signs for the runners coming along behind us. Now let's go. We're on the last leg of this race. Children sift through all we've left behind. 
back to the starting line and well I heard the message in your song and started to have second thoughts I don't want to be remembered as a quitter God wouldn't want me to let my team down Spud I told you that I always had faith in you we're just glad you're back yes we are and in fact you're just in time for the final stretch of this race Spud would you start this team out and lead us on to victory? It would be an honor. Let's go. All right. Woo. Woo. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm happy to report to our listeners that Spud is back in the race, and Coach has, in fact, asked him to take the lead. In just a few moments, I believe we'll see this team cross the finish line. Career 
valiant, bearing the flame. Messenger noble, sent in his name. Faster and harder, run through the night. Desperate relay, carry the light, carry the light. something for you. Wow, a new pair of running shoes. You know, after coming in space here today, I think I made a new pair of running shoes too. Well, you better be careful what you pray for. You're giving me your shoes? Yep, I call them shoes of victory. <laughs> gotcha, and to be victorious, I must run in his steps, but, but in my shoes.
Thank you, guys. You know, in 1968, interesting thing occurred at the Summer Olympics. They were lined up for the marathon, and there were representatives pretty much from every single country all over the world. And so they began running, and just like any marathon race, you know, it carried on and carried on, and eventually it was completed. So they had the award ceremony. They gave out the bronze medal, they gave out the silver medal, and then they gave out the gold medal, and they began to sing the national anthem of the gold medalist. And then, once it was all over with, all of those in attendance began to focus their attention on the other events during the Olympics. But something unique took place on this particular day, and that is they began to realize there was one individual who had not completed the race yet. He was from Tanzania. And early on in the race, he had injured himself quite uh, badly and actually began to fall over and was unable to keep up with the rest of the crowd. So he continued, however, and although it took him much longer than everyone else, the crowds began to see this man begin to come in as he stumbled and crawled over the finish line. Following the race, the man from Tanzania was interviewed on that particular day. And what was interesting is the lady asked him, you were already out of the race, you had already fallen, you were already injured. Why in the world did you continue to run the race? To which he responded, my country did not send me thousands of miles to start the race. My country sent me to finish the race. And you know, the Bible teaches that God, by His grace, has purchased you and I by His Son's blood. The greatest price ever paid for our life to be redeemed so that we could spend eternity in heaven with God was the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus. Jesus did not give His life simply so that you and I could start the race, but rather He desires for us to finish the race. And the Bible teaches in Hebrews chapter 11 that there are many individuals who have gone on before us. They have run the race of faith and they have experienced victory. And even currently now, they are in the presence of the Lord Jesus. And as we look at the text of Scripture throughout Hebrews, we begin to hear these individuals and their message of hope and inspiration and encouragement to you and I this morning. In fact, if we look at Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 4, we find Abel. Abel would say to you and I that we are to bring our very best to worship to the Lord. And then in chapter 5, you have Enoch. Enoch teaches you and I that we are to walk with God. Noah, he says, trust God even when the odds are stacked against you. Abraham, he says, stay out of the land of sin and walk in obedience to God. Sarah says, God will give you innate power to accomplish even the impossible. And then we have Jacob, Joseph, and his sons who would tell you and I that we are to continue to pass on the blessing of God from one generation to the next generation. And then Moses tells you and I that we are to trust God's provision. He has washed you and I with hyssop. He has made us whiter than snow. And then who can forget about Rahab the harlot? She would tell you and I that faith in God can save absolutely anyone. And then Gideon, when God's word promises you victory, you can rest assured that God will always come through. And then as you continue to study the scripture, you find Japheth and David and Barak and uh, Samson and prophets. And man, what they're doing is they are shouting to you and I this morning that we ought to live with a public faith. We should live in such a way that we actually beg people to know Jesus Christ personally. 
Now, the scriptures teach us in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 2, literally what is going on is that these witnesses are surrounding us. They stand as a constant testimony and testament to a life well lived. And all of us who have been born again, we've come into a personal relationship with the Lord, we desire to run the race well so that one day we can see the Lord Jesus face to face and he can say to you and I, well done, my good and faithful servant. How many of you desire for that to occur one day? Amen? And so we have that in us. So the question then becomes, how can we run the race well? What should we do? Well, Hebrews chapter 12, 1 and 2 teaches us a few things. First of all, it teaches you and I that we are to run a clear life. We are to run with a clear life. And when I say this, notice the scripture says that we are to throw off everything that hinders us. This is the idea, literally, of a runner who has some sort of weight which is impeding his ability to have a full stride and to run with endurance. And so the Bible says we throw these things off. Now, this is literally just something that hinders us. So it may not necessarily be this morning that there is something in your life that is in direct violation to the Scripture. However, there may be something in your life this morning that is in direct correlation or rather contradiction to your conscience and so your conscience is heavy this morning and as a result of a guilty conscience you're unable to run the race at full capacity and so what the scriptures teach us is that we are to throw these things aside get rid of the weights man so you can run with every fiber of your being so we need to run with a clear conscience but also we could say we need to run with a clean life you can notice up there in this text of Scripture, it says that we are to throw off not only everything that hinders, but also the sin that so easily entangles us. Now, the word entangles, it means to be encircled or sin that is attached to us, that weighs us down. It gives the imagery, the author's given this awesome imagery of an individual who is seeking to run the race, but all of his clothes are kind of flapping and waving in the wind. So the idea is that those in Greco-Roman Olympics, they would take off these clothings so that they would have nothing that would cause them to trip up and fall in the race. Now, when I began to look at this, I also began to think about what occurred at our home a couple of weeks ago. Many of you know that our family, the Skipper family now, has an addition. We've got a dog. Pray for us. Her name is Lily. She gets on my last nerve. Are y'all all right? She was given to us as a gift from my mother when we were on a cruise. She's here this morning, and I feel she needs to repent. But anyway, we got this dog. We don't have a fence. So what we had to do, children and kids, we literally had to go and purchase this uh, Wi-Fi. It's kind of unique, actually. This Wi-Fi deal in our house that sends out a circumference all around our yard that actually gives an opportunity for Miss Lily to have a place to run and play and have a great time. We put a little shock collar on her. She goes outside of the circumference. It will shock the face off of her. <laughs> and that is awesome. I just push her out there. Here, little girl, girl, girl. Krista, the other day, wanted to go and pick up the other two kids from school, and so she had the youngest two with her in the minivan and had a great idea that she's going to bring Lily with her. <laughs> you say, oh, I'm like, woo! That's so awesome. They got about halfway down the street when that bad boy screamed bloody murder. Because it shocked her. Had to take it off. 
Now, where am I going with that? I ain't got a clue, but I just want to share it with you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Here's the deal. What the enemy wants to do is actually put a circumference around your life. He doesn't want you to influence others. He doesn't want you to influence the next generation. He doesn't want you to be a testament to an individual who has run the race of faith with endurance. See what the enemy does? He puts this circumference around you, and I'll go a step further and tell you he will kind of put shock collars on you. So then whenever you come into a time of worship and you really want to give all you've got to the Lord Jesus, the enemy shocks you and reminds you about some sin that you've got in your life. And then whenever you desire to really invest in the next generation, the enemy wants to shock you and make you feel guilty for something that's happened in your past. You know, Paul the Apostle said it like this when he basically spoke about the shock collars which the enemy tried to put on him. He says, forgetting everything that is behind, I press on towards the goal of the upward call in Christ Jesus. So this morning, you may be in the church building, but you got some shock collars on. The enemy is trying to convince you that you cannot make a difference for eternity. Listen, the Bible says, take that mess and throw it away. Great news for you this morning. The scripture says in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9 that if we confess our sins before him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So the Lord this morning can actually help you take off the things that are hindering your ability to run with every fiber of your being. So how do you run? Well, you run with a clear conscience. You run with a clean life. And then the Bible says you run with your eyes focused on the Lord. You know, the scripture says it right there. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us fixing our eyes on Jesus the idea here of fixing our eyes on something means that we take our eyes off of everything else and we focus all of our attention on the object of our faith who is the Lord Jesus you know what's awesome about Christ Jesus came born of a virgin lived a sinless life and then he pioneered a pathway all the way to heaven in fact, as you study the book of Hebrews, you find that that is the very terminology used to describe the life of Jesus. He is a pioneer of the faith. It gives the imagery of someone who would go through brush piles, massive weeds, massive woods, and they would take a machete and they would clear out this pathway so that everyone behind them could walk straight through. That's what Jesus did for us. Jesus came, lived a sinless life, and he cut a pathway through his death, burial, and resurrection all the way to heaven. And now the scriptures teach you and I that what we need to do is just follow the Lord Jesus. I love how they continue to say it tonight. Literally, what we do is we follow in the steps of Jesus, but we wear our shoes. But it's the idea of just simply focusing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at a preacher just a moment, eyeball to eyeball. You may be in the building this morning, and you are not focused on the Lord Jesus. Your attention, your eyes are focused on all sorts of things, but not upon the Lord Jesus. He's not number one in your life. You can make a decision this morning to turn your eyes away from everything else and turn them upon the Lord Jesus. You know, we sing that hymn of the faith, do we not? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. How often we sing that? And then the Bible says, or rather that song says, that when we turn our eyes on Jesus, the things of this earth grow strangely dim. See, this morning, many of you, the things of this earth are blinding you from seeing the glory of the Son of God. You need to take your eyes off of the things that are only temporary. Focus your attention on that which is eternal, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So you focus on Him. So we run with a clear conscience. We run with a clean life. We run with our focus on Jesus. And finally, we run for the glory of God. It's interesting as we look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. This 
little text stops, but there is an addition in chapter, or verse 2 rather, where the scripture says that Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So the Bible tells us Jesus died on the cross, was buried, resurrected, ascended into heaven, and that he sat down at the right hand of the Father. When you and I study uh, Greek days, what we discover is that the individual who sat on the right hand of the person who was putting on the banquet, the individual on the right hand was the most important person in the house on that particular night. In fact, what would happen is everyone would gather together, and whoever was sitting on the right hand had all of the attention. Well, the Bible teaches that the Lord Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of God the Father. All of heaven has its attention focused on the Son of God. And all of earth, you and I who know Jesus personally, we ought to live in such a way that it could be said of us that our full attention was always on the Lord Jesus Christ who sits at the right hand of the Father. So we give him everything that we've got. We don't half-heart it. We don't act like Spud up here and sit on the couch, spiritually speaking, and just flat out be lazy, eating donuts and ding-dongs. Y'all all right? We do not live this way. We don't take in what the world has to offer, but instead... We take in the Word of God, and we grow up thereby in the Scripture. And that's what the book of Hebrews says, too. They were fading and literally drifting from the Word. And so we come back to the Word of God, and God gives us strength through the Word. And then by the power of the Spirit, we're enabled to live a life that honors God the Father. So you not only need not be like Spud, but don't be like these two ladies as well who were in the mud bottom over here fighting. Did y'all notice that? I'm asking y'all. Did y'all notice them? That, well, that was some good acting, though, wasn't it? But anyway, they really don't like each other in real life. I'm just kidding. They love each other. But in other words, they were fighting. And you know what the deal was? They had unforgiveness. They had bitterness in their heart. You know what? Some of you may be in the building this morning, and that's your problem. You've got such bitterness wrapping up your heart, just putting a case around it, keeping you from loving the Lord Jesus with everything you've got. Unforgiveness, it will drown you and it will hinder your worship and it will hinder your race of faith. Now check this out and listen closely. Everyone is invited to be in the race. But listen, only a few will actually be in it. That's what the Bible teaches. Many are called, few are chosen. So Many people are called. That is, you're invited by God the Father. He says there is none that he is desiring to perish, but he wants all of you to come to everlasting life. Get in the race of faith. Follow the Lord Jesus. So he calls you, but the Bible says only if you come. You know what that means? That means most people will look at what Jesus Christ has done for them for the forgiveness of their sin and his death on the cross. They'll look at it, and they'll turn their attention away from it and say, that's nice, but I'm not going to follow you. A lot of people hear it, but they will not get in the race. And some of you are in church this morning, but you're not in the race of faith. You can be in church all your life and spend an eternity in hell. But once you get in the race of faith, you can be guaranteed you will make it to heaven by the grace of the Lord Jesus. So some of you this morning, you need to quit playing around. You need to quit messing around. It ain't no joke. It's time for you to make a decision. Sir, you've been coming to church for weeks. What's your problem? Either you will receive Jesus Christ personally, or you will continue to reject him. I want to challenge you in Jesus' name that if you've not made a decision to get in the race, you get in it this morning. And I'd also challenge those of you who are in the race. 
and maybe you've tripped up on the sidelines. Come to Christ, get freed up, go out of here, a brand new individual who can run the race of endurance to the glory of the Lord. Amen? Why in the world would you not make those decisions this morning? Make them. Listen, Jesus didn't die on a cross for you and get up from the grave so you could start the race. He desires for you to finish and finish faithfully. And I agree with what Erwin Lutzer said when he made the comment that not everyone who is a Christian will hear the Lord Jesus say, well done, my good and faithful servant. The only ones who will actually hear that will be those who actually did well and were faithful. So I want to challenge you to live in such a way that Jesus would look at you and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Run the race and run it with every fiber of your being. Let's bow together. Father, speak to hearts in Jesus' name right now.